Hey everybody, my name is Kenzie Tartaglioni. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your master of ceremonies. Hey, I'm Brennan Hershock. I go by he, him pronouns, and I play Sawyer Hook, the mortal. I'm April Consolo. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Ivy Duncan, a vampire. Hey there, I'm Mads McDonough. I use he, him pronouns, and I play Caleb Moore, the werewolf. My name is Ashley Westover. My pronouns are she, they, and I play Pharaoh. And welcome to Wildmore High. Content warning for this episode includes emotional manipulation between parents and a child. It actually does feel like a TV show. A small, darkened room, a little colder than comfortable, one light hanging from the ceiling casting a warm yellow circle over you in the metal chair you're sat in. They offered you water, coffee, everything said nicely but with a discomforting edge to it. You had a good cop, you had a bad cop, and then for about the past hour and a half, you've been left to your own devices. The door opens, and a tall, slim woman with blonde hair pulled back into a ponytail so tight it gives her face a facelift enters. She is wearing a black pantsuit with shoes that click across the tiled floor as she walks around to face you. She has a folder in her hand, that she's flicking through an obvious play. A CVS receipt list of vandalism, a whole page to itself for theft, throw in a few disorderly conducts and disturbing the peace charges, and this time, criminal attempt with the intent to break and enter, criminal attempt with the intent to steal. Do you have a clear picture? Allegedly, I think you missed out on a few of those. She raises her eyebrows at you and kind of looks over the top of the folder, and there is a hint of a smirk on her lips. Allegedly. You haven't been actually punished for any of these, so you're right. Allegedly. She closes the folder, a dossier file on you, and slaps it down on the table. It's rather thick, and the fact that you've never been actually charged with a crime the entire time makes it feel odd that they have this list of things that you've done because you've been sneaky and you don't get caught. I'm Agent Drummond with the FBI. The FBI? And you are Pharaoh Smith, is it? That's what my birth certificate says. You live with your parents? Well, it was my mom and whoever she happens to be dating. Where's your dad? So when Pharaoh was 10, 11 years old, they spent a lot of time at their local public library. It was pretty much the only place where they could just exist without being kicked out or having to like buy something or anything like that. Like the public library was pretty much a good safe space for them. This is where they were on the one of the public computers, like those like big Dell, like dinosaur square ones. They saw an article 
from a town in like the same state but like a few hours away about this man named William Hook and this new property he was selling or it was it was like weird adult stuff but that name stuck out to them because the only times that Pharaoh's mom talked about Pharaoh's dad was when their mom was in the middle of an argument with whoever they were dating at the time and they would often compare whoever they were dating with with this unknown William and one time she had slipped him and said, well, my hook wouldn't have treated me like this. She was always comparing all of her, like, lovers to this William guy. And so Pharaoh eventually asked her one day, like, who's this William guy? And their mom said, well, that's your dad, William Hook. And so Pharaoh had this idea in their head of this sort of knight in shining armor, almost, that was their mom's true love and would one day come by. And if they, if he just knew that Pharaoh existed, Pharaoh knew that he would come rushing to help them because things were never good financially. So when Pharaoh came across his name on just a random article, they got so excited. And so Pharaoh asked the librarians, like, how do I contact this person? And they were like, oh, well, he looks like he's got some business emails, things like that. And so Pharaoh, uh, always a little investigator, dug a bit and found like, an email like uh, whook at somebusinessemail.com. They spent a whole day figuring out what exactly they were going to say and it was a long email <laughs> i would say hi my name is pharaoh i know you don't know about me but i know a lot about you and just sort of introducing themselves saying like i'm really good at like history class and things like that like trying to talk themselves up sort of like pitching themselves to William. And then they f they finish the email off with I don't think we're that far from each other and they give their address like they're like this is where I live. Will you come by? Will you come and meet me? Can we please talk? I would love to get to know you. In a very like hopeful like 10-year-old like that they're so convinced this is going to go great. Like there's no way this can go wrong. William from everything they've heard is like such a good guy. There's no way that he would like say no to this, right? Because why would their mom continue to compare him to everyone if he wasn't good? And so they send the email and they check their inbox. Like, they go to the library every day after school and check it over and over and over again. But there's no response. And one day, they get home and their mom is standing, waiting for them in the kitchen. Looking very upset, but not, like, angry. Just sort of, fuck, this is the conversation we have. Because instead of emailing Pharaoh back, William had called their mom basically to say, do not contact me, control your kid. They didn't even, like, give Pharaoh the, the respect of a response. So I think Pharaoh gets home, like, getting, like, a little anxious because, like, they haven't heard back from their dad yet, but, like, obviously he's going to respond soon. Pharaoh lives with their mom in a two-bedroom apartment. It's not huge, but it does the job and you've lived there for your entire life. So you walk in the door and kind of kick off your shoes. You can't really see your mom right away, but you do hear her and you hear her voice coming down the hallway from the kitchen going, Pharaoh, come here, please. Pharaoh like puts their backpack like down um, and kind of like runs up. They're like, what's up? She is standing in front of the stove, stirring something, dressed in her scrubs. You figure that she probably has a night shift. When you come in and say that, she turns around and you notice very quickly that she is displeased with you. And she says, 
I thought we talked about this, Pharaoh. Why didn't you tell me that you contacted William? I, I didn't tell you because I wanted it to be a surprise. Well, it would have been very helpful for me to have known that before he called me today. <gasps> he called? What did he, what did he say? Is he coming over? Is that why you're cooking dinner? Is it, is it a nice... It's got to be a nice dinner, Mom. She puts her forehead in, against her palm and says, Pharaoh, sit down, please. And they kind of climb up onto the stool that's next to the, like, kitchen island. Pharaoh, we have been over this. Since when have you cared about meeting him or talking to him? I thought, just the two of us, I thought we were good. You can't go bothering him like that. That's not how this works. You should not have contacted him. He's not around for a reason, and it's gonna stay that way, okay? He chose not to be here. But, but he just, he, he just didn't know about me, right? I wish I could tell you that was true, Pharaoh, but he knew. I told him I wasn't keeping that from him. He knew, and that didn't make him stay. What? You were never supposed to contact him. I told you not to, and yet you did it anyway. And then he called me, and I had to explain to him that I wasn't expecting anything from him. We weren't expecting anything from him anymore. But you always said, you always say to other people that- I know what I say. Wait, so, so it's, it's my fault that he's not here? No, no, baby, it's not your fault, okay? I loved him a lot when we were together, and I thought he was somebody that he wasn't, and I'm so sorry that means that you have to deal with that now. But Pharaoh, you shouldn't want to know him, okay? He left. He left me, and he left you. And he doesn't deserve your time or attention anymore. What did he say? He said that I need to make sure that you never contact him again. That he never has to hear from either of us ever again. Pharaoh, like, clenches their jaw and, like, squeezes their hands into fists and takes, like, a deep breath. I, I think I'm gonna, um, I think I'm gonna go hang out with, uh, some friends at the park. Wait, Pharaoh, we don't need him, right? It's always been me and you against the world, baby. That's all we need, just us together. But you have to promise me that that's good enough for you, that you'll never try to do this again, yeah? Pharaoh gets, like, this rush of anger, and they sort of shove off of the stool and runs out of the house, um ignoring anything their mom might they're not even paying attention if their mom is calling after them or trying to follow in any way they wouldn't be surprised if she just sort of stayed back but there's this really shitty park like right outside their front door it's pretty much just like a bunch of overgrown brambles and things and they'll sometimes go out there just to try to you know have a semblance of being a kid doing fun things like making like soup with different rocks and like plants and stuff just thrown in like an old bowl they're having all these new big emotions and so this place doesn't feel right to sort of like let that out it also feels kind of exposed like there are cars that drive by and there's windows that look out and can see into this park they, they want to find a place that lets them just be by themselves. They suddenly get the urge to just sort of like find a dark hole or something just to like scream in. And across the street, there's this old apartment building that it had a fire a couple years ago and ever since then people they, they moved out obviously because it caught on fire but it's not like the whole thing went up a blaze it's just like one room sort of like blasted out maybe there was some sort of illegal activity going on that caused the fire or something pharaoh doesn't quite know about that stuff yet that is a building where they know no one's going to be in and so they run across the street and the the front door has got this like the yellowed like caution tape on it but it's like very faded from like the sun and time 
And so they just sort of like duck underneath and through like this like broken part of the door. They're breathing hard and like they have like tunnel vision almost because they're not quite sure if they're angry or sad or just want to fight somebody or just want to be alone for like five years. But as they cross the threshold from like the outside world into this very quiet house, like the, the char on the walls and like there's like some sunlight filtering through a broken window and those little dust motes are floating through and it hits them all of a sudden how like peaceful it is in here without anybody and they walk further in they're light enough that they're not worried about the floor falling out from underneath them they they learn in the future uh the hard way to actually keep an eye out for that but luckily this first time there's not an incident they walk further into this old old apartment building and they climb up the stairs to like the second floor window that's also been busted out seems like teenagers were in here a few times like there's like beer bottles that have been covered in dust and things and they sort of hunker down in like this back corner and they're just breathing and their hands are shaking and their heart is racing with confusion and anger and fear but they're by themselves so they are actually able to just breathe for a moment before something shiny catches their eye there's like an old dresser or something um and one of the knobs on the dresser is brass and like a little bit of soot has been like wiped away and they go up to the dresser knob and they they kind of like wipe the rest of the soot off with their sleeve and it's so shiny and so pretty and probably very very cheap but this sort of like shiny trinket it just it brings a little bit of a spark of oh i like this and so they like unscrew the knob from this old dresser and they sort of like rub it with their thumb um, and the cool metal is very satisfying and they just start picking around the rest of the room and they spend the rest of the day in this old abandoned apartment building finding little tiny shiny beautiful things that are probably just trash but it's the only thing keeping them like from breaking their hand on a wall or just utterly losing it pharaoh their jaw clenches at this and they're trying their whole thing when it comes to authority is that they're very good at keeping their cool that's why they've never been actually charged with anything but this makes their them prickle a good bit and so they shift uncomfortably trying to look as tough as a 14 year old kid can and they just look back up at this person and they go don't know never met him are you aware of a small town called Wildmore about an hour drive southeast of here do i look like i'm a geography major do you know of a man named william hook pharaoh like again is starting to like shift in their seat they're starting to squirm a little bit because they have done their due diligence with digging and things and so they know the name instead of answering the question they just turn back uh, i'm not quite sure what the fbi has to do with an alleged petty theft sorry i didn't i didn't catch your name agent drummond wait you might have already did say that huh better listening skills would serve you well people don't often have anything worth to say around here i think i have something worth to say and i think that you should listen we have been aware of you for a while now and we've been keeping tabs on you, as you can see. And she points at the folder. Did he, like, murder somebody? Is that what this FBI thing is? Like, did he, like, murder someone? Like, you can tell me. What do you know of William Hook? I know he's a deadbeat dad who doesn't give a shit about anyone but himself. But like I said, I've never met him. Interesting, because he has two healthy, thriving children. What? There are tears welling up in their eyes, and their throat has closed up a good bit, and they're focusing on their breathing. In Wildmore, two happy children, a family unit, 
You seem to be the only one left out. How old are they? Sophomore in high school and a little girl, about four. Again, is this like a murder thing or are you just here to fuck with me? Like, do you want me to confess to something? Because I'd rather do that than have this conversation for literally a second longer. I'm trying to gauge what you know. Not a lot. You seem rather upset at the situation. Could say that. Doesn't take a genius to figure out, but alright. With this dossier, you could be sent to juvenile easily. Did, did we miss the alleged part? Because I'm pretty sure I was cleared of all charges for all of those. You were cleared of all charges because we wanted things postponed. This is feeling very shady. Fair, I can offer you a deal. Okay, I feel like I'm sort of just being backed into a corner, but what what do you have to offer? If you don't take it, there are repercussions, so you can feel how you want to feel about that. You come work for us, and this goes away forever. I'm getting, like, severe whiplash right now. So you want an alleged criminal to work for the FBI to do what exactly? An alleged criminal who is extremely good at what they do, and who has a personal connection to William Hook, and a possible growing vendetta, is too strong of a word, against him. I'd use grudge. A grudge. We could use you, and in return, we get rid of all of this. What exactly are you hoping to gain from me? You're a kid. You can easily fit in in high school. You need to gather information. We need to get close to people that agents of a certain age can't necessarily do. And an ally. If I help you guys with whatever this is, I'm assuming my rap sheet goes away. It does. What about Hook? Is this a goal to imprison him? Like, what level of vindication am I going to get out of this? I suppose that's up to you. I can't tell you all the details until for certain you are with us. And she flips over the folder and on the back is an NDA listing terms to agree upon and not speak about to work with this team. A signature, and I can tell you what you need to know. Pharaoh sits there and contemplates this offer. Even though it's a very vague offer and like they're not exactly sure what's going to be asked of them, the fact that they'll be able to learn more about their biological father and maybe find a way to get back at him is more tempting than a mountain full of gold. They pick up uh, the pen, and just as they're about to write their name, they look up at her and they say, uh, by the way, if you were keeping as close tabs on me as you thought you were, that folder would be twice as thick. And then they sign their name with a flourish. Picks up the folder, picks up the pen, and says, welcome to Obsidian. We cycle forward to a quiet early morning in the middle of August. The long shadows of night retreat between the buildings as the sky begins to lighten, and the first rays of the sunrise change the sky into magnificent hues. It's a little bit humid, your skin slightly sticky as your muscles first begin to move upon your body waking. You feel stiff, your neck and upper back sore from sleeping in an odd position. When you finally regain enough consciousness to open your eyes, you find yourself in the passenger seat of an old, rusted out dark green sedan. The seat is leaned back as far as it will go, 
As you move, a crinkling sound fills the interior, and you see the tan fabric of the seat covered in specks of orange dust, half-filled bottles and empty cans of soda, a strange array of snack wrappers, and a pair of binoculars are littering the space. It's a mess, a mess of your own making. You see your newest friend Damien conked out in the driver's seat, head lolling against the window, drool shining on his chin. The shaved side of his head is in your view. The dyed green wave of hair that sits atop his head is smushed against the window. His glasses are askew on his chubby cheeks, and it's a little too warm to be wearing a jacket. But Damien, you can't remember a time in the last month where he wasn't wearing his thin black zip-up hoodie over whatever he qualified as a shirt underneath. Damien also shouldn't be in the driver's seat. He only has his learner's permit, but his dad is Chief Evans, so on a scale of 1 to 10 of how much trouble you'd be in if he was caught driving without a licensed adult in the car, it'd be about a negative 5. Granted, you drive around mostly at night, but it's not as if no one has ever seen the Evans's 28-year-old car with two teenagers in the front seats driving around Wildmoor. Looking out the window, you finally get your bearings. You're parallel parked on 1st Street, just a few cars down and on the opposite side of the street from the grand Victorian facade that is the Duncan residence. You had been on patrol, what Damien called your nighttime snooping escapades and you had convinced him to park outside this house specifically. It had been late, most of the lights in the house turned off, and you hadn't been able to glean much. Boredom, most likely, was the culprit of your unfortunate sleeping arrangements. Damien snores. A loud buzz sounds around the car as your phone vibrates in the cup holder. A text from Elias. First day, do not be late. The night before the first day of school, and you can hear Elias's orders in your head. I know it's the first day tomorrow, but I need eyes on Blackthorn. You've been for the last few weeks following his orders, gathering the information until he wants, even if it's not much, but going to the places he sends you. You sit on the curb outside of the house waiting for Damien Evans to pull up. You met this kid at that bonfire the first night in town. He was on you as soon as you walk onto the lawn, absolutely asking you the most personal, egregious questions one could muster. At no filter, no boundaries, wanting to know everything about you, what your whole deal was. And you realize that this kid is probably a good contact to have because he did this with everybody. And he, while a conspiracy theorist of the mysteries of Wildmore, isn't necessarily wrong in his thought that there's some weird shit. Maybe not right in what he thinks is happening, but not totally wrong. And as you sit on this curb waiting, there's a little rustle in your pocket and Beauregard lifts its head out. Hey, buddy. Scratch like this, like the side of his ear. Smells the night air. It's late enough in summer to be dark at about nine o'clock and Beauregard slinks back down into the pocket as headlights and a low growl from down the street announce Damien's arrival and the window slowly rolls down as it is not an automatic window and Damien kind of leans over and goes, hop in! Pharaoh grabs their backpack um, that they have with them and runs over to the passenger side and hops in and then opens up the backpack and there's like a bunch of chips and just like junk food. And they turn to Damien and go, I brought payment as requested. Yes! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Reaches over, grabs a bag out, rips it open, just kind of the chips spray out of it and just starts shoving them in his mouth. Ah, dude. (laughs) 
You gotta be ready. You gotta have energy to do all the stuff that we gotta do. We're gonna be out late, okay? Because I think I've got, I've got like a bit of a lead, okay? I think some shit is going down at the Batista house because I know like, I don't, I don't want to like be weird with them because I know Joe's dad died in that fire, but like, I just think some shit is happening and we, I think that we, I think that's where we gotta go tonight. You know, I love your energy and I love the instinct that you have with this, um, but, you know, growing up on uh, on the streets like I did, Damien, you learn to, like, really get a nose for the people who have some shady shit going on. And while Joe, certainly tragic, and there is some weird stuff going on over there, my instincts are telling me that Blackthorn Manor is the place to be tonight. I don't know, I'm just getting some weird, creepy vibes from them. Gives you a quizzical look and is like, Pharaoh, you know the patrol has a schedule. And Blackthorn Manor is Saturdays. It's a Tuesday. I know. But tomorrow is like the start of the new school year. And so I have a feeling that there might be some new shit going on. So we have to, as investigative uh, reporters or just people searching for the truth, we have to be flexible. You know, we have to be able to take the hits as they come and adjust our schedules if things pop up. And also... I brought your favorite kind of energy drink. So I think that gets me some brownie points, as do these brownies. You ha make a very persuasive argument, and I think that for one, one time, one time alone, the patrol schedule can be switched up a little bit. You are a gentleman and a scholar. But no, that bribery only gets you so far. It gets me to switch up the schedule. Once. One Once. time. Once. One time. Pharaoh has their fingers crossed behind their back. One time. Yeah grabs the energy drink mouth full of chips chugging down the energy at the same time this is what he does goes out every night a car that he steals from his dad and his already chubby cheeks are just filled with food as he's chomping but he pull, begins to pull down the street and head towards first street where blackburn manor sits okay so i don't want to get like right up next to it because well that's just stupid we're professionals yeah we're professionals i'm gonna park a little bit down the street I'll cut the lights, cut the engine, and I got a... Uh, and he reaches down between the door and his seat and pulls out a pair of binoculars. And I got these, so here. And gives them to you. Finally, some spy gear. He parallel parks badly, almost hitting uh, the car in front of him, but does end up parking without any major catastrophe. Turns the car off, rolls the windows down a little bit, and you can already feel the humidity kind of seeping into the car. Are there any lights on in uh, Blackthorn Manor? There are. There are a couple in the windows. It's only a little bit after nine, so that's not strange. The garage door is open, and you can see that it's like kind of a huge garage that they have with multiple cars inside of it. There are a couple cars also parked in the driveway, but there are no lights on in the garage. Jeez, talk about old money. You can say that again. These people have been in this town for as long as anybody can remember, and they've lived in this house each generation for as long as anybody can remember. Imagine all the secrets they must be hiding down there. Oh, that's right. You've never been inside. You just got here. Wait, can, we can go inside? Well, not right now, but like, the Duncans are like known for their parties. Really now? Ivy often like invites everybody to come over and hang out yeah i mean i've been inside a few times yeah but that can be either 
really good or really bad because if they often have people over they're going to have extra security measures for the things that are really important to them what are you talking about like what do you think that's in the house that needs extra security measures i don't know i mean i'm just saying like these people have secrets we're trying to find them out the illusion of being open and having like their house available to people all the time that's a red flag my dude fuck you're right i never thought of that is there a place that's usually locked that you know of like is there a basement or a wine cellar or something that they don't let people down in you know i've these were parties you were high i kept the snooping to like a minimum i'm not gonna lie i am a little disappointed but i'm not mad i mean it's only been a couple times but like yeah you're right you're right you're right i was i was sleeping on the job i didn't do my job and now we're behind it's all right now you have a partner and we'll get this together sound good bud yeah what exactly though are we like looking for well, I have a few main theories. Um, the ones that you posited, either there is some sort of um, uh, intelligent life from beyond the stars that's been influencing uh, this town. Yes, 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 yes. That's theory number one. Theory number one. And I think that that's the theory that after, you know, a couple more weeks that you will start leaning towards as well. You don't have to convince me, dude. Like, I got here and the vibes were immediately off. Why do you think we work so well together? This is kismet. Like, you showed up at the perfect time. You don't ever have to convince me of anything, okay? We're in this together. Get into the truth, bud. So aliens, big thing. Then there's also uh, some sort of mafia deal that you mentioned. But the thing with that, I don't understand how they would get the supply lines around unless there's some sort of like underground tunnel. And right now, Pharaoh is just like feeding into Damien's like delusions to keep him engaged and wanting to help. Uh, there could be an underground tunnel though, because like the old sewer systems don't work anymore. And that's where Sawyer and his crew hangs out. And so what if those were the old tunnels that people used to get in to get the shit in you know and and there is a rather indecent amount of drugs available in this town so mafia i'm just saying duncans are giving the illusion of openness and trustworthiness and that's when you need to be the most suspicious so next time there's a party you and i go in you will figure out what area is on the hardest lockdown you keep watch i'll use my special skills to get into places i'm not supposed to be and then i will report back and we'll figure out what the next step should be whether it's another sort of investigation like that or if we just grab some shit and run and analyze it later um i think that's gonna have to be like an on-the-fly decision but we should definitely at least try to get in yeah there's a party tomorrow night oh really yeah here they're hosting uh the they did it last year too it's the it's the first day of school bash i don't they probably don't actually have a name for it but yeah I need to get on these, like, group no, I chats told or whatever. You. I should have mentioned it, and I just kind of forgot about it. No, you could listen. I'm, I'm the new kid. Like, there's a lot of things people, you know, assume everyone knows, but I'm just trying to catch up. That's why I need you, man. Uh, you're my guiding light, and I'm your support beam. We're gonna get through this. Just forward me any sort of, like, social events that are going on, whether it's from the Duncans or the Batistas or even like, the Moors or the I don't think gonna be throwing a party anytime soon. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's in the mood for that. Um, kids so any sort of events that are going on until i get you know i'm not great at talking to other people <laughs> you know like we vibe what do you really? mean? well it's because you're a cool person you know and you know how most people are just like dicks yeah yeah girls are terrifying is it just me or are they terrifying i don't think it's just you but i can't say that i have much uh information on that subject not a lot of experience in the ladies department you know i don't really feel the need to i've got other things on my attention same they're just scary yeah, it's just like not worth my time when there are shitty things going on that no one is talking about. 
Exactly. There's bigger issues than like high school drama. So what? I don't have a date to homecoming. It doesn't fucking matter because I'm out here every night with my nose to the pavement doing the work. We'll be the ones remembered by history, not these schmoes. While he's not lying, there might be a little bit of sadness that he probably won't have a date to homecoming. Pass me a Slim Jim. Pick up those binoculars. You want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can take first watch. You just crushed an energy drink, so you're going to be a little jittery for a bit. You got to be quiet. You got to be calm. You got to be observant. Pharaoh lifts up the binoculars and takes a look. And it's just like antiques are like their thing. Like they love old shit. And so when they see the cars and just that little glimpse into the Duncan's garage, it made their fingers itchy in a way. Like they're just like, oh, I want to get in there. Oh, I, oh, I want to look around at some old shit. The Duncan house is their favorite one to stake out just because it holds the most shiny things. Damien and I met on at the bonfire and everything, and it was great. We vibed, we hit it off, and then we ran into each other, both staking out the Duncan house one night. It is a Saturday night in Wildmore, which is not like a rambunctious, crazy night. These were the nights when you were back home that you and your friends gang of people that you did little jobs with would go out and do those things. I mean, you did on most nights, but Saturday night was when you had like planned a whole week to do something specific. And it's a little bit less exciting here, but Elias has asked you to take the night and go to Blackthorn Manor. He doesn't necessarily have a specific reason besides the fact that the hooks are currently not at home and it's hard to keep a track on the Moor's whereabouts. So Blackthorn Manor is the best assumption that you will be able to find some information this evening. And you hop on the bike at Elias' house, pedal your way over to Blackthorn Manor and kind of hide your bike in a bush in one of the houses across the street and creep along the cars on the opposite side. Pharaoh has left Beauregard at home. They're not quite comfortable enough bringing him out quite yet. They do that thing where they just like casually walk down the street like they're just someone walking or whatever on their first pass. And then as they walk back, it's more of a sticking to the shadows and pausing at certain spots to try to get a better look in certain windows. And they crouch behind this car and they're looking through the back the back windows and they see movement out of the corner of their eye. Psst, hey. And you see the face of Damien Evans, your new friend in town. And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm just on a, a walk through this lovely town. No, you're not. I know a little wannabe spy when I see one. You do, do you? That's great. So I'm assuming you also know that the Duncans are probably aliens. You know, I knew as soon as I met you that we were going to get along. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the Duncans are aliens, but they have ties to some aliens shit going on. Did you see my video? The one, the one that you texted me after the bonfire that was like three hours long? Yeah, 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 that one. That actually is what made me want to go here tonight. You should have texted me because I'm here every Saturday. You could have come with. I know, I'm just, I was just so nervous because you're like a pro in this town and I'm, I wasn't sure if you needed, if you were like a lone wolf kind of. You are boosting his ego successfully. Oh, I mean, like, like usually I'm a bit of a lone wolf, but I think that sometimes it would be nice to have a partner and i think that you would kind of make a perfect one okay 
Yeah, totally. I mean, take me under your wing, sensei. Yeah, all right. Sh- sh- but, like, open the door quietly, but you can get like get in. And I get in, I'm like, why are there so many wrappers back here? The number one rule of the stakeout is that you gotta have snacks. Pharaoh slowly reaches into their hoodie pocket and brings out a Slim Jim. I could not agree more, actually. We are on the same wavelength. The exact same wavelength. You had the binoculars looking up at Blackthorn Manor, and you watch, you see a light flick off, you see a tall, well-built man, Bast, close the curtains over one of the front windows. Before he closed them, you could kind of see like a dining room table of sorts in this room. You see his shadow walk away further into the house. Okay, uh, Pharaoh, what do you, what do you see? Hot dad number one. Uh, I was in the dining room. Oh, that's different from last week. I didn't get a good look to see if there was any food on the table. But I don't see food in your house often. Let me see. Anything else is pretty much closed, I think. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say I told you so. Because, like, Tuesday night at Blackthorn Manor is boring. Saturday night is where all the juicy stuff is. And you know that that is not true. Because Saturday nights are often just as boring. You haven't, like, seen some big thing that would help you and Elias out or confirm Damien's theory about alien invasions. You know what, man? We've only been here in like 10 minutes. Patience. Remember? I'm like been through like three bags of chips. It's only been 10 minutes. Holy God. shit, Damien. Not again. I can't. You are literally going to eat me out of house and home, my guy. And I just hand him another bag of chips. <laughs> I was prepared for this. You switch off duties uh, for the next couple of hours of him watching the house, you watching the house... And at one point when you try to hand the binoculars back to him, you turn and you see his head smushed against the window and his chest slowly rising and the little sound of snores coming through his nose. Pharaoh uh, takes that as their cue and they slowly set the binoculars down. And then at this point, they've mastered like where like the noisy and squeaky parts are of this old car. And they like undo the latch and like slip out and just take one more look to make sure he's like gone skis. And then they're going to slowly approach the side of the manor that has the uh, garage and any of the cars that are outside. They're just going to take a peek inside the cars um, after clearing to make sure no one's looking out a window or anything their hood is all the way up as well you don't feel like you're being watched from the house you peer into the cars and they're like in pristine stately condition fucking perfectionists pharaoh's going to go around to their garbage cans you learn a lot about a person from their garbage and they're just going to like carefully open the lid check for raccoons they they forgot raccoons existed the fir- the first time they tried to do this at, at, i believe it was like a more one of the moors houses and they just like swung the lid open beauregard almost had a heart attack and then pharaoh almost had a new pet but it got away so they just slowly peek open make sure there's no animals in there and they just kind of like take their like phone flashlight to look i mean the trash bin itself isn't full at all there's like a couple bags thrown in but the trash bags themselves are rather lacking in trash everyone's trash bin should be full right now right like the way that the trash pickup happens it is going to be happening probably in the early hours of that morning and they they reach down and just grab like one of the bags see if they can like tear it open like see if there's anything in there um incriminating it's mostly food like fruit rinds um eggshells there are like some paper products does it seem like the amount of food that would be eaten by in a week from three people that live there it doesn't look like enough to feed a family of three let alone all the guests they always have over pharaoh jots that down in their notebook duncan trash 
Weird. They're going to look at their clock, see about what time it is. Uh, it's a little bit after 11 o'clock. Um, that's still fairly early. The The way that this is set up, are there like, is there like a hedge around the manor or do they have like next door neighbors? So there are other houses on this street, but they have just a large plot of land. They have a wrought iron fence that goes around it. The gate into the driveway is open and it's attached to like stone pillars. And there are like bushes around the fence that goes around the house. They're going to try to listen in to see if there's like footsteps in on the side of the house that they're at. Like if maybe someone's like close to a window that might be able to see them. It's really quiet. It's mostly just the light breeze of the night and the summer bugs chirping and buzzing away. They're going to creep then along the edge of the house just to peek at the at the storage shed or whatever in the back. There is a lock on the, a padlock on the door and there is also a small window on three sides so the two sides in the back they're just gonna try to like peek in to any to one of the windows see if they can uh spot anything it's really dark inside the moonlight that comes in from the other window sheds a little bit of light you can see like some bags of soil a rake there's not a lot else you can see because of how dark it is inside. As you're peering through this window, you hear a window opening from the main house. They're going to press themselves into the shadow. No sudden movements, but just kind of like push up against the side and like towards the back of the sheds away from view. You watch as Ivy climbs out of her window and down like a trellis onto the ground and sneaks around to the front of the house. Farrah's gonna sneak. <laughs> more towards the bush than the house and just sort of like quietly move keeping an eye on ivy she is not like running or anything but swiftly skirting her property uh down the driveway out the gate and starts down first street as she gets a little bit farther pharaoh is going to they don't really want to involve damien right now they're gonna just like go up to the on the sidewalk casually walking in the same direction that ivy's walking they're going to actually put their headphones in to make it look like they're listening to music but they're not gonna have anything on ivy kind of glances back a couple times as she goes but you have enough time to like hide dart into a shadow and you watch as she walks down first street all the way to cherry lane and you follow her all the way down and you see her kind of then start jogging up the yard of the hook house every time they're sent to watch the hook house there is a level of anxiety that just spikes and if they're being honest they usually cut those sort of um stakeouts short and they don't ever get as close and it's they're frustrated with themselves because on one hand they want this is why they're here is to find out more but at the same time they just get full of so much emotion anxiety anger all that stuff jealousy especially that it's hard for them to focus and they just usually walk away. So they get hit with a wave of that as they see that Ivy's headed up to Sawyer. You can see some light through the trees but the driveway is like long and winding up to the house. Pharaoh's going to follow until they see where Ivy goes. They don't want to risk being caught right now because that would jeopardize a lot of things. They're, they're just curious right now, especially because it's around Sawyer and his family. You watch as she starts to climb up the side of this house and like slips in to the house. And then you, through the front windows, you see Sawyer walking from like one side of the house the other flipping off lights and all of a sudden he looks up and you can hear him go Annabelle go back to bed and he continues flipping off lights as he goes okay so when Ivy climbed up the wall is it like a like how exactly did she like it's a wall uh, you go to the side 
the wall is completely flat getting up to wherever she climbed in and then you can see on the back of the house a little bit she wasn't climbing she was kind of jumping and there were like levels and so like it looked like she might have jumped up onto this wall jumped up onto the roof here ran up a little bit and then somehow got up to the window either ivy is a parkour master or damien might be onto something they're not quite sure what to make of that because she she just looked like she was casually moving up it wasn't like she had to do a lot of like momentum or anything pharaoh's gonna like just kind of like try to process that while listening in to see if um maybe sorry was expecting her or if there's like a scream you see the light click on in the bedroom you hear Sawyer scream you you hear her giggling laughter uh, kind of float out the still slightly open window Pharaoh is just going to be like I don't understand teenagers and their horniness I don't get why you would just break into someone's house that's what they're assuming they're just like she's booty calling Sawyer they don't want to hear more after that so they're going to slink back the way they came towards uh, Damien's car and just sort of shimmy, just like quietly settle back into it. You stay up pretty late. She doesn't come back at any point, but you start to drift off and you're not fully asleep when you hear voices, just mumbles at first that you can't really make out. You kind of blink open your eye and you see movement outside the front of Blackthorn Manor. And as you kind of come more into waking, you hear, no, it's fine, she left a while ago. And you can kind of see two individuals doing something like coming down the driveway to one of the cars. Pharaoh's gonna grab the binoculars and try not to wake Damien up because he would probably just start making a lot of noise and they're just gonna rub the sleep out of their eyes and they're gonna like look. You don't see Bast, you see Gabriel and you see the man who has been living with them for a little while whose name you have found out is Gregor. They look to be carrying something and as they come down they go to the car and they maneuver something into the trunk of the car. Can I see like the like maybe the size of it? Gregor is carrying it by himself. He doesn't seem to be having any issues carrying it, so it doesn't seem to be that heavy. But when he drops it into the trunk, the car like moves with a weight. And you hear Gregor, be quiet. And Gabriel starts looking around. And Gregor shuts the trunk but like clicks it so it doesn't like slam shut and you hear it's fine i'll take care of it and gabriel says i'm gonna go check on him and gabriel starts back up to the house as gregor gets into the front seat of the car and the car backs out of the driveway and starts away down the street no lights on engine just faintly rumbling at this point, Pharaoh really wishes that they were old enough to have a driver's license of their own, or that they knew how to drive, period. Uh, public transportation was a staple of their upbringing. They're going to slowly, like, shake Damien a little bit, like, hey, hey, dude. But what, 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 what is happening? I need you as quietly as possible, start the car, and just head that way. It looks at you weirdly. They just brought a bag out, and that Gregor guy, like, we need to get moving. I'm not trying to get you to panic, but, like, I think there's some shady shit going on. So start the car, and head that way. Looks at his phone. It's like 1.30 in the morning. We can't be following some creepy shit at 1.30 in the morning. You're right, the engine would probably be too loud. And then Pharaoh just opens the car door and starts, like, half-jogging. It like against the wall <laughs> of like the hedge or whatever to try to keep the car in 
in their eyesight. They're assuming they're going to lose it. They just want to keep an eye on it as long as possible to get like a general idea of where it's going. Yeah, it has already turned the corner and you can kind of jog down and you can see it like all the way down Cherry Lane just continuing on south through town. But it is already pretty far away from you. Your phone clock reads 628. That means Elias was texting you on his way out of the house and into work. Damien. Hey. Dude. <coughs> yeah. Um. Oh, morning. Morning. No luck tonight. Um, Or last night. Whatever. It's We gotta get to work. Or school. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's kind of both. Kind of both. Can we... Sw- Is there a coffee shop? Do you guys have coffee here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crappy. And you see him reach down and pick up like a, a bag of Fritos and like start eating some chips. Yeah, uh, do you wanna like go to the, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, my brain is just, <sighs> Yeah, and you got to sleep some. Were, were you just like watching the house all night? Yeah, dude, that's what we're here for, amateur. I mean, you're gonna, it's the first day and you're just gonna conk out in the middle of class, but I guess that's on you. I'll be fine if I get my coffee. Okay, not to sound like a wine mom, but if it's crappy and it's still got caffeine, I'm fine. Starts the engine. The AC kind of blasts out of the uh, vents and the kind of sheen of sweat that had accumulated because of the humidity in the interior uh, sends a shiver throughout your body as it's hit with the cold air. Pulls out of the uh, parking spot, almost clipping the car in front of you and begins down the street and you kind of watch uh, the Duncan residence as you got, go by but there's no movement. It's it's a pretty quiet morning. The last bell of the morning rings at 8 o'clock on the dot, and if you're any later than that, you're deemed tardy for the day. So there's still some time for people to be awaking, for you guys to grab your coffee. Damien drives down First Street, makes a couple turns, and pulls up upon this brick building, a a chain coffee shop that has sprung up in this small town and is the only coffee shop in town, much to the dismay of many of its citizens. And it looks like the lights are just being flicked on to open the store for the day. And he pulls into the empty parking lot, except for the one car, most likely the staff member, inside and parks again and just gives out a big yawn. Okay, uh, I'm gonna like chug this coat I don't need any coffee, but do what you gotta do. Are you sure you don't want anything? I can grab you like a breakfast bagel or something too. Ah, uh, maybe a donut, like glaze, but like the colorful sprinkle ones. You got it, kid. Pharaoh uh, kicks open the door. Their legs are a little sleepy still because they've been sitting in the same position for a few hours at this point. Give a big stretch, uh, breathe in the slightly humid air, and head into the coffee shop. And they grab themselves uh, a coffee with an ungodly amount of cream and sugar. And also grab uh, Damien a small one as well in case if he needs an extra little boost, along with his donut that he mentioned. You come back outside, climb back into the car. Damien kind of snatches the... uh... Uh, the wax paper wrapping around the donut out of your hand and just kind of like shoves it in his mouth. He's like, he's like still like half asleep, which is not uh, a good way to be uh, the driver of this car. Um, But he's like, "Uh, do you want to like, do I need to drop you off at home? I probably got to return the car before my mom wakes up anyway. Yeah, yeah, whatever works for you, man. Sure, just uh, don't wreck because I would rather not start our first day in the hospital. I promise 
Pharaoh that I will get you home safe and sound in like record timing. Excellent. It's the grossest breakfast. He's had Fritos. He's had Coke. He's had uh, this donut now. He's kind of like intermittently chomping on gum as well. The flavor palette in this kid's mouth has just got to be atrocious. He pulls out of the parking lot. A couple other cars are starting to filter in for people commuting to work and grabbing some coffee, maybe some kids uh, up early before school, and heads out of the kind of main part of the town into one of the little off-skirts, small, tiny neighborhoods, not like big suburbs in any way, but just like a, a collection of houses that kind of consist of um, a certain type of architecture that have popped up around Wildmore. He pulls up to your current residence. It's a small one-story house with barely any yard out front and barely enough yard in the back for Elias's unkempt terror of a shit zoo Oscar to run around in. And there's like a small driveway, but Damien doesn't pull into that. He kind of just stops on the street to let you out and says, Okay, if you have any notes from when I was sleeping on the job last night, write them down. We'll go over them later. Pharaoh holds up um, sort of like an army green notebook that has the bits of like paper sticking out, maybe like sticky notes or something. And they just say, got everything here. And they give him a nod as they shut the door and head inside. You twist your key in the knob, opening the front door and uh, get hit again with the this AC blast, which is honestly wonderful seeing that it had been broken for a while and just about three days prior had finally been fixed. The cool air hits your skin and it's immediate chaos as you open the door and this fluff ball of a dog does his best to make you fall flat on your face. Pharaoh like knows this is coming so they're able to brace themselves and they kind of like half wrestle, half like pet the dog back. Hey, good boy. Yes, yes. I know I'm your favorite person. Up on its back legs just like... Like, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Did you give- I peek at his food bowl to make sure that Elias actually remembered to feed him this morning. Yeah, in the in the kitchen, uh, you can see where his uh, food bowl usually uh, lies are the remnants of a breakfast. Excellent. So he's just trying to trick you into giving him some more food. I head back down the hall to my room. They swing open the door, close it behind them so the dog can't follow them in. In this room, it is sparsely decorated. There's not a lot of belongings. Like, there's a few shirts in the closet and a few things in, like, the drawers and stuff. It looks like about one suitcase worth of items. But taking up one whole side of the wall is, like, like a rat-tropolis. And inside, like, all these like twisting tubes and things there's a white and brown speckled rat that pharaoh walks up to they bend down on the ground pick up the bag of food they fill up the bowl and they open up the cage a little bit and the rat kind of like jumps up onto their shoulder and scurries across back and forth very excited good morning beauregard hi buddy i know i wasn't here last night i'm sorry just doing important work but you're a brave boy you can you can handle a night without me and they kind of Give him a little love before putting him back in the cage, making sure the water's fresh, and then glancing at the clock. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, they got a little distracted. So they uh, quickly just changed their t-shirt, managed to brush their teeth, put on deodorant. They grab their school bag and take the green uh, notebook that they had, shove that in there, as well as... Um, a laptop and any of the other notes that they had along with like pencils and like normal school supplies they zip that up and sling it over their shoulder and head downstairs and out the front door to their bike that is sort of just haphazardly tossed in next to like a bush yeah the paint 
of the bike has kind of been chipped off in the thorns of the bush whenever you just like toss it inside of there. Oh yeah, this bike also kind of looks like it was, the frame was found in a junkyard and the tires are mismatched, so they were either uh, stolen from other bikes around town, or it's just it's just a mismatched bike. What are you talking about? No, this is fine. This is how they are. And I think that there was a moment after you had found this bike in which you were riding around uh, town just trying to get your bearings on where everything was, and you got some eyes from this kid as he looked at like the back tire of your bike. And, like, familiarity crossed his brain. Couldn't prove anything and just kind of, like, watched you ride down the street. Pharaoh, uh, today they're wearing some dirty jeans and uh, a green t-shirt with just, like, a gray hoodie over it. Oddly, you are uh, reminiscent of what Damien woke up in. I gained inspiration from his ensemble. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad outfit. Like, the reason Damien wears it is mostly because he just kind of blends in anywhere he goes. And so it's, uh, it might not be the most fabulous style, but, you know, it gets the job done. It's your first day in a new place anyways. Like, what's the point? You don't want to stand out. Exactly. You hop on your bike and start riding um, into town. The school is actually not uh, that far from where you woke up this morning. Uh, just a few blocks away from the Duncan house. It is about a 15 minute uh, bike ride, especially with the stoplights and the early morning uh, commuter traffic, which in this town you found isn't anything like early morning commuter traffic in the city. It is literally people driving from their house, the few blocks to their job, which is completely ridiculous coming from a city when you sh could just walk for 10 minutes. Instead, you drive for two. You're wasting so much gas. I really don't understand. Your bike uh, kind of hits the divots and the potholes in the asphalt. There's no bike lanes um, and the sidewalk is even more hazardous in some places than the road with it just being so old that like tree roots have grown under the concrete and like lifted it up out of the ground. You have seen a kid, even in just the few weeks you've been here, one too many kids take a tumble right over these raised portions of the sidewalk. So you kind of are able to like weave kind of in and out of cars. These people obviously don't know how to deal with bikers in any way so you're mostly given the go-ahead because they're too afraid to be aggressive <laughs> against somebody on a bicycle the pharmacy you pass general store this is kind of main street which is the main trek in town of businesses and shops um, they of course spread everywhere but this is kind of the most populated um, area the diners on this street uh, first street which you were on the in, earlier in the morning is more of a residential street it has a couple of like the oldest businesses or at least the facade of it like like an old law office that isn't no, is no longer a law office but nobody has taken the wording off the building stuff like that halfway through uh, this trip Pharaoh realizes that they left their coffee in their room and they got like they got about halfway through it so it's not a total loss but they just really hope their rat doesn't figure out a way to open his friggin cage again because they've had to deal with a caffeinated rat once before and it was a headache and a half and so they're mentally bracing themselves for that uh, after school you uh, have this realization as you turn left and start pedaling up Chapel Street which is uh, one of the roads that the school is located on and you pull up to 
a large, unassuming building. It looks like every other public school in a small town, just kind of like a rectangular, concrete nothingness. Prison? Not too far off. It has Wildmore High School in block letters attached to the front of the building, which is actually kind of odd as no other building in town is lettered like that. It literally looks like word art printed out in sign form, but like individual like thick letters that were like screwed into the brick as if it would somehow make the school more modern when it is in fact nothing of the sort. You swerve uh, into the parking lot narrowly uh, getting hit by another car that's pulling in. At this point it's probably about 7 30. It didn't take long for Damien to drop you off at your house and then you don't have a long morning routine and getting to school early enough to maybe talk to Elias if you need to check and see where the classroom or you've never been inside as you did with the town kind of scoping the place out making sure you know exactly where everything is there is a bike rack uh, area off to the left of the front entrance to the school and you can pull up in and lock your bike up outside they pull their bike up and they grab their bike lock and notice that a few of the bikes aren't locked at all like this is another one of those like small town things where in their brain they're just like interesting and so they uh, expertly thread the bike through the like little stand area and then grab the one of those like maps of like high schools that they have that they print out at like orientation days and things like that. It's kind of crumpled and it's got like the different classrooms that they're going to be in circled. They head in mainly looking for Elias's classroom, but also clocking like cafeteria. That's the library. That's so and so. And like seeing if they like see Damien there, if there's any other people they're trying to keep an eye out for, what their morning routine might start out as. The library actually is like almost central on the first floor and it has windows out so you can see into the library around pretty much three of its walls you don't see Damien inside but you do know that he will be in your homeroom so if you don't see him before the bell the last bell the morning rings uh, you will see him in homeroom it looks like the room number on your little schedule sheet points that Elias's homeroom that you start your day in is on the second floor in the history block since he's kind of like a, a world uh, history teacher at the school. You don't see yet any of the people that you would like to see, whether that's because they're elsewhere in the school or they have not arrived yet. Uh, you don't know. It would have been fun to come in and immediately be able to start clocking these people's movements and in a space that you're unfamiliar with. But unfortunately, that's not the case here. Pretty quiet, even with half an hour left. There's only a few people at their lockers putting books in, taking books out. And I think that this is also a whole new um, environment. Like at the city, when you went to school, it felt like there was always people about all the time, no matter what. Everyone always had somewhere to be constantly. And this feels like maybe people here don't show up until the bell rings, which is almost infuriating because then you're late. The last bell before you were tardy was almost like 15 minutes before the actual school day officially started because they wanted to make sure that the kids were in their seats and ready to learn. And here it seems almost as if it's too lenient. Something is awry or maybe it's just how it works. So Pharaoh, they're going to go find their locker first. Is it one of those where like you, ha it's like the code, like little knob is in the locker 
or is one where you have like a separate lock that you put in to open and close them. The code is attached to the locker. This is gonna be easy to get it to. Just their mental sort of pathways is like, I don't, I can't put anything important in here now. I just have to keep things on me at all times. That's fine. They like have like the little like code that was written down for them that was given in their like orientation packet and they open up their locker. It's not even like a full length. It's like the half size locker. So somebody is at some point, you're gonna get hit with somebody else coming in and being like, you're standing, my locker's at the bottom. At least yours is the top one. And we have to do that like awkward, like you're standing to the side thing with like your legs, but your torso, you're still trying to get to yours while they're under you. It's a whole thing. So they just take out all the books um, that'll be needed for the second half of the day, but they keep their notebook and their laptop and the history and homeroom, like anything that would be needed for the first few classes. Shut their locker and uh, do another quick sweep of the common area before checking in and peeking their head into the homeroom to see if anyone's in there yet. There's a couple of students in your homeroom. You see somebody sitting at like the second desk in the front row from the door. There's like a notebook out, a textbook, and a pencil case. And the pencils are like lined up in an order. And it looks like this person is like color coding some stuff in a notebook or like preparing the notebook for the class. It is a young girl who is sitting legs crossed under the desk, a plaid skirt on, weirdly like a skimpy private school outfit that it looks like she wears because she feels like that is what the fashion for education is. So she has like a white blouse on that's a little bit too tight over her boobs, tucked into this skirt, like white socks, not heels, but there's like a little bit of a heel on these like tan shoes that she has on. Her hair is like pulled back into a pretty severe ponytail and she is kind of all occupied at uh, her desk, whatever work she is doing at her desk. You also see actually two seats behind her in that uh, row of desks is a kid who looks like he would rather be anywhere else, kind of has his like head in his hands. You don't know if he's sleeping or just just trying not to have anybody talk to him, but he's kind of in his own world, like elbows on desk, hands um, on his forehead. But those are the only two people in the classroom so far, and you don't see Elias in there. Turn back around to see if I can at least locate the teacher's lounge. It's easy enough. So how the history block is set up, it's like a straight shot almost. On the upper floor, on the west side of the school, is the history block. And at the end of the hallway is the teacher's lounge on a uh, like a dark brown plaque with gold lettering on the door it says teacher's lounge and there's like a little window next to the door but there is like blinds covering it so you like can't see in and see if there are any teachers inside and the door is not closed all the way it's open a little bit it's like the first day and they they have like a lot of energy from like their third wind of being up all night and also half a cup of coffee and like the anxiety of the first day of school and also the anxiety of like everything else that's going on and so they're trying to find they, they feel like they rushed here too quickly and now they have a half hour to kill and they have all this like nervous energy and they want to they want to be doing something but they've like there's there's nothing in this tiny ass town oh my god people don't do anything here the coffee really is crap. As you kind of like peek through this little window of the teacher's lounge, I think that you can smell and actually hear the sound of a coffee machine inside. You hear a couple voices. You, I think you hear Elias's laugh. So you know he's in there, but you don't know what the rules are. But you said there's coffee? Pharaoh is going to slowly open the door. The way, are there any teachers with an eyeline? Not th- uh, from where you were looking into the, but you heard voices. 
Are the voices coming from the same direction as the coffee noises? You get the sense that this is not a large room. So, like, walking in, you could be seen. Coffee, though. They are a little sleep deprived, so I think they'll peek in and see if they can see how many teachers are in there. Yeah, you kind of push the door open, um, and you see that there is a couple couches, like, right behind the door. Uh, There is a small round wooden table with a few chairs, and then, like, a small kitchen area, like, in the back corner where there's a coffee pot and it looks like a microwave and a little fridge and you see Elias standing there two female teachers and they seem to be like standing in that kitchen area talking are the female teachers back to me uh they are walk up to the coffee and like as quietly they're a pretty quiet person they're gonna just try to like sneak coffee and then run out uh you open the door you make eyes with Elias you have to like creep to this kitchen area that they're kind of in to get the coffee he's just like kind of talking and then like watching you like walk by i shake my hand like and like shake my head as well and like 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 cut it out like almost sort of thing but it's just to kind of um communicate to him like don't pay attention to me just do what you're doing we're fine don't don't make a big deal about it kind of deal you do get into sight of one of the female teachers eventually she's like um excuse me this is the teacher's lounge uh students aren't supposed to be in here Oh, oh yeah, my bad, sorry. Uh, I was just, uh, I had a, a question for my uncle. Sorry to bother you guys, though. I'm new here, I didn't, re- at my old school, you know, there's different things, culture. I'm trying to, and as I'm saying this, I'm still just like pouring the coffee, looking her dead in the eye. Elias walks a couple steps over to you and like awkwardly puts his arm like around your shoulders and like pulls you in and goes, I'm sorry about that, this is my niece. She's, or they're new here. Sorry, what am I supposed to call you? Not niece. You can call me Pharaoh. This is Pharaoh. They're new here. Just wanted to come say, I'm going to show them around a little bit. Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) You also know that Elias knows exactly what to call you, that this is a, a charade put on to kind of nail harder into everybody's mind this story that you are newly arrived um in that while he's your uncle you guys didn't really have a relationship before you come into town it's all a bit of a unplanned facade on top of the facade i think pharaoh kind of goes to give him like a fist like hey that was really good like as we're like exiting <laughs> like you're doing you're doing pretty good man you're doing great and there's just kind of this look of you don't have to tell me i'm doing well this is my job can part of your job be to make sure that we have coffee like like can you get a coffee machine at your desk or something because i will be going in here every morning if need be you will not be doing that because that will bring attention to you and you will get in trouble and then you will be in detention and we can't have you in detention all the time make coffee at home before you leave your coffee machine smells like mold how many times do i have to tell you just get a keurig it's it's fine you're not gonna die if you get a keurig it'll be okay just get a little pot in there it's just a button you don't have to do the whole like paper thing with like the with like the actual ground beans you don't have to mess with that and how many times have i told you that those little pot things are destroying the environment oh my gosh okay fine we're not gonna get into the politics of like individual consumption versus like companies destroying the planet like i get it it's it's bad to use straws but i'm not the one who's dumping oil into the ocean um i'm gonna go to the classroom now i'm walking that way too we'll just go together no that makes it look weird i don't i don't think my character you know would want to be seen with their uncle like especially on the first day that seems a little nerdy then you go this way and i will go to the classroom where i need to go to do my job and you will be there before 8 a.m before i know i'm 
punctual, if nothing else. Okay. Okay. And you have this, like, it's not even like a, a, a cup. It is some teacher's mug that they keep at the school to get coffee. I think it is, like, uh, a blue, and it has, like, yellow lettering that says number one dad. You wanted to figure out where uh, people congregated before class. There is an outdoor courtyard on the, you can see it from the top floor, but it is, the entrance is on the first floor. And you can see people, like, using this space like it's not a part of school property. People are, like, throwing footballs in a space that is not, somebody's gonna miss and it's gonna go through the glass and it's gonna be a mess in the hallway type of situation. There are um, some people, like, laying down as if the sun was coming in, which it's not, with, like, their shirts, like, rolled up like they're sunbathing. It feels like these kids are trying to make their high school experience something it's never gonna be. And there's some sort of props that you have to give them for the attempt. I just kind of take in this scene like I'm like am I in some sort of really weird Hallmark movie no this is how some places actually are Pharaoh it's gonna be okay you'll get through this and I scan the courtyard to see if I can locate any of my quote-unquote targets you don't see your specific targets but you do see Adam Moore captain of the Wildmore hockey team sitting on one of the benches in the courtyard surrounded by a couple friends talking animatedly they all seem to be listening to him. I'm going to take out my notebook and write down the time that I see Adam and then the descriptions, like just like short like descriptions of like the people that are around him so I can figure out who they are later. I actually think that you might know one of them already. Uh-oh. He's sitting on the bench. Next to him is this girl who looks to be wearing a cheerleading uniform, but why? Because it's 7.30 in the morning and no one is going to be cheerleading yet and it's completely unnecessary and it's very annoying. And it looks to be a girl that has like tried to be kind to you and offer you help in town, even though you've taken it a little bit more from Damien. But you see Natalie, which is a little odd from what you know about Natalie because Natalie is friends with Ivy. Why is Natalie hanging out with Adam? Can I see if Natalie is trying to be like flirty with Adam or anyone else in that group? She doesn't seem to be flirting with Adam, but there's a familiarity there of people who know each other more than you know anybody here. There seems to be not any difference with her interactions with him and her interactions with the two other people that they're standing with. I think Pharaoh's just gonna take a few minutes to continue to watch the courtyard, see who comes in and out um, as they finish off this coffee. And then they're going to head towards their homeroom. Um, and they're going to drop the coffee mug off on the first teacher's desk that doesn't have anyone in the room. As you're heading to uh, back towards the homeroom, you finally spot one of your marks coming down the hallway uh, towards you, you can see Ivy, but uh, she's not alone. There is a kid in front of her, like, walking backwards, looks to have, like, a camera in her face. She's, like, kind of laughing, kind of, like, annoyed, but as uh, she nears the home, same homeroom that you're going to, the guy with the camera kind of drops off and spins around and heads into a different direction as she enters the room. At this point, Pharaoh's going to head into the homeroom and see which seats are left. I feel, I feel like a few kids would be like, morning, Mr. Mashburn, as they come in. 
Pharaoh just kind of gives him like a, like an awkward little wave as they uh, sit down next to the the very preppy girl that they saw earlier, and they start getting their notebooks out and everything, and they look around to see who else has shown up. There's like a pretty decent amount of kids in the class now. The only seats empty upon you coming in were yours, the one in the back of the room right in front of Ivy. Everybody seems to to currently be there, except for just a few stragglers. I think um, Pharaoh sees they're in the same row as one of the people they're keeping an eye on. You know how when you're a teenager and you suddenly have really big feelings that you can't put your finger on, but you just, all of a sudden you feel like there's everything all at once. I don't think they even make eye contact with Sawyer. I think they just see him and they kind of get hit with that and then take like a deep breath and then settle into their seats and look across and see Caleb doing his thing. This is the first moment that it settles in like this is going to be like the longest con they've pulled and this is actually happening. Like what they want is they're gonna make it happen but now it's actually possible. So they have a lot of mixed emotions kind of just like going through them as they're getting their notebook out and like sharpening their pencil and doing like school morning things. They're just still very calm looking just kind of like poker facing it. Don't think that this is the first first time you've seen Sawyer since coming here, but it is the closest in proximity you've been to him. And I, I think the idea of I'm going to be here every day with him is a big part of it. And you see that kind of the luck of the draw has made it a possibility that Damien is sitting right next to him. I don't know if you feel that like you would want to be that close to him, but the fact that you have somebody there to like keep it, a literal direct eye is kind of makes you feel better. As you're getting your stuff together, uh, you can see that Elias also is being a lot more scrutinizing of the class and I don't think anybody else notices but just because you know who he is what he's doing kind of see him taking stock of Caleb and Ivy and Sawyer and you even finally the last couple people kind of rush into class the bell rings it sounds like not what you're used to which is like a uh, digital sound coming through a PA system it sounds like there is a little metal bell hanging on the wall outside with the arm like dinging it there is an actual goddamn bell like a real bell oh my god I think that almost breaks Pharaoh and Elias kind of claps his hands to get everybody's attention and says well good morning everybody and welcome back to another glorious year at Wildmore High. Go Wyverns! We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com queerpg. Becoming a patron allows you access to our exclusive after show where the cast talks about character insights and their own reactions to the episode, as well as a plethora of other perks. If you like the show, remember to rate and review. And to keep up with Queer PG, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod, and on Tumblr at tumblr.com queerpg. Until next time! <laughs>